The Golf.com podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. It's smart mobile accounting designed specifically for freelancers and small business owners. You can try FreshBooks for 30 days on us with no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com sports and enter sports in the how you heard about us section. But I woke up at two in the morning, um, the night of the championship match, and I started thinking about it. And I started watching these master highlight shows that they were airing on the Golf Channel. And I was just watching these guys, and it really started to sink in. Then, hey, you're going to be playing this course with these guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, best players in the world. It's hard to understand what you're going to be up against because the greens are extremely undulated. They're super fast. There's a lot of pressure. Hitting balls on the range, you know, looking over and being able to see guys like Spieth and, and Nicholson and McElroy and guys like that. I mean, people, amateur golfers don't get to experience that. You know, most amateur golfers, they, they, they dream of stuff like that. If I play extremely well, in my mind, I have a chance of making the cut. But it's just, it's too hard to predict because um, I've never played in a professional tournament before. Hello and welcome to the Golf.com podcast. I am your host, Sean Zock. This week we're going to talk a little bit about the Masters, but probably not the way you would normally think. We're going to talk about preparing for the Masters and preparing for Augusta National. To do so, we're going to talk with Sammy Schmitz, the USGA Mid-Amateur Champion from 2015. Sammy earned an invite to the Masters last year by taking the Mid-Am Championship in incredible fashion with a back nine ace on a par four. When it comes to Sammy Schmidt, golf is one of his hobbies, one of the things that he does better than most, but it is not his day job. Sammy is a regional director of health services in Farmington, Minnesota, a long way from Augusta National. His handicap is plus 2.7, and we'll talk about his far-fetched story and how he's prepping to play with the big boys of the PGA Tour at Augusta National in five weeks. First things first, Sammy, how is life right now? Life is hectic and, and fun and exciting, and uh, I can't, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, no doubt. You are currently, we've got five weeks between now and the beginning of the Masters tournament that you'll be playing in, and we'll get to, uh, we'll get, we'll get to it later about how you're going to be playing in it, but uh, right now, how is your game looking? How is it feeling? Uh, it feels good. Uh, my I played in the International Four Ball a couple weeks ago, and my partner and I won it down in West Palm Beach, Florida. We won it by three shots, so I feel like the game's pretty good. Yeah, I've been working pretty hard at the concession club in Bradenton, Florida. I have spent a couple weekends down there. <clears throat> I'll be back down there again this coming weekend. And, uh, you know, with the job and everything, I'm not doing too much during the week, but mostly traveling to Florida on the weekends has helped out quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. I, I imagine, uh, you know, if anyone knows your story, they know that you're trying to take this as serious as, as anyone should. And it's quite the honor, I know, to, to get to do what you're about to do uh, in a couple of weeks here. But looking back, you're, you're the Mid-Am champion and, and you won the USGA Mid-Am back in, uh, in October. And it's actually quite, that event, along with a lot of other USGA events, are pretty intense when you look at how much golf is actually being played between your first tee shot and the championship. Is it is it pretty grueling, do you think? Or are you in great shape? Does, do you have to be in great shape to actually last the number of holes that you're going to amount in, you know, four or five days? Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, I think the endurance is a huge piece of it. Um, 
am I in great shape? Probably not. Um, but I'm in good enough shape and I, I worked really hard for, a, for about a month, but it's just as much of a mental grind as it is a physical grind. You're playing match play, you know, you might be one up, you might be one down. And when you're, when you're so close and in so many close matches, your nerves are going. So your, your, your brain activity is up. And at the end of the day, if you lasted, if you were lucky enough to win a couple matches, you're just drained. I mean, you, you just got to conserve energy, wake up the next day and try to do it all over again. But the other piece is it's such an exciting place to be, you know, nearing the end of a USGA tournament that it just kind of takes over. You know, I, I was, it took me about 10 days after the tournament to recover. Um, but you just, you just get through it. I mean, everybody's there to win and, and, you know, have fun and you, you, you try just to stay focused and, and get through it. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I know, at least looking at the scores, I wasn't I wasn't paying attention hole by hole when it was first occurring. But you know, going back and taking a look at your trip, your road to the final, you didn't exact. I mean, you didn't exactly blow away the field like a couple guys did through stroke play. But you got into the you got into the match play championship, which is a 64 player bracket, during which your first two your first two matches ended with you winning one up. Like that that's pretty close. Uh, and then you ended up playing pretty well through the next few. <clears throat> and then we get to the, fif- the 15th hole of the final match. Uh, you know, at that point, are you thinking that you're playing for the USGA Mid-Am Championship or, or is Augusta already on your mind? No, I, I tried not to think about it, but it, it crept in. I, I did such a good job of not letting it get to my head, but I woke up at 2 in the morning um, the night of the championship match and I started thinking about it and you want it so bad, you know, <laughs> you just, you got two guys, you got a 50, 50 shot. You just, you want it so bad and you can't help but start thinking about something, especially when it's as big as the masters. So I didn't do a very good job blocking it out. Yeah. I'm sure it is not easy as you, you started the, that actually that match two down through two and it wasn't going great. You rallied. Eventually, you get to the 15th hole, uh, and you are two up. And if anyone knows the story, it's a pretty incredible one. You end up hitting a par four. It's 290-yard par four, according to what I found on the Internet, and you aced it. Uh, take me back to that moment on kind of what's going through your mind because I knew it wasn't clear right away that, that the ball had gone in. Uh, so Mark, Mark Dahl had hit it in the left bunker, and we knew – where he was at, he was in trouble based on where the pin was. So I thought that at best he was going to make a par. I didn't think he was able to make a birdie. I had a really good feeling with the driver in my hand on that hole because I had hit the green a couple times earlier in the week, and this time there was a little right-to-left wind, and I hit a little left-to-right cut right up into the wind. And I just I peered it. It was perfect. It landed on the green. <clears throat> And it started to roll up this huge slope. And I remember my caddy and I were just thinking, you know, just don't go up on top of the slope. Just stay below down where the pin is and everything's going to be great. Yeah, because he, he was yelling, bite, Guaranteed bite, birdie. Bite. What was that? Not to interrupt, but he, I remember seeing a video in, in which your caddy was yelling, like, bite, 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 trying to get the ball. Yeah. Yeah, we could see it rolling up the hill, and, you know, once it started coming back down, you can see I just took off my glove, we started walking, you know, he, we, I didn't think it had a chance of going in. 
Um, I just thought it was going to be really good. And, you know, all of a sudden we could hear people get louder and louder. And then it was just, they started screaming and it was one of those cheers where, you know, it went in. It wasn't just two inches from the hole, you know, where you'd get a nice clap and people would be cheering. Uh, I mean, people were yelling pretty good. So the USGA guy confirmed right away it went in the hole. Um, the guy that was standing right next to us. And I mean, very out of body experience. That's the best way I can describe it, especially with the situation at hand. Yeah. No kidding. Basically at that point, uh, at that point you just about done everything uh, you could do to punch your ticket to Augusta. Did it hit you right away? I know that you said that you, uh, you know, you were, you woke up, uh, early, uh, right, way too early the night before, but did it hit you right away that, that Augusta was the thing that you had basically won? Now I know, I don't want to, I don't want to belittle the competition that you were in cause it's, it's an incredible tournament, but when that is the, the ticket that really gets punched at the end, was that the thing that it, did it hit you right away? Has it hit you yet that you're going to be playing this crazy tournament in a couple weeks? No, <laughs> Not even close. Um, you know, I, I was told right away, hey, you're playing in the Masters and you think about it right away. But I, I think I was just really enjoying winning that tournament. And I was exhausted when it was over. Um, I was down there for 10 days, just utterly exhausted. And it didn't hit me. It was a couple weeks after that. It really it started to sink in. It took a long time. It started to sink in. Okay, you're playing in the Masters. It's such a life-changing experience, but it just it took a long time for it really to sink in. Hey, guess what? You're you're playing in this thing. And I started watching these Master highlight shows that they were airing on the Golf Channel, and I was just watching these guys, and it really started to sink in. Then, hey, you're going to be playing this course with these guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, best players in the world. Before we continue, one note from our sponsor, FreshBooks. It's tax season, and you know what that means. Money is on your mind. It's on my mind right now, just like it is all the time. One way to help take money off your mind is to look at FreshBooks. FreshBooks is a super innovative tool that makes creating and sending invoices extremely simple, especially for freelancers and small business owners. FreshBooks stands out where it really counts, which is getting you paid. You can create and send professional invoices in just 30 seconds, You'll see exactly when your client looked at the invoice you've just emailed, which helps you track the status of all your outstanding invoices, which is a pretty cool tool if you ask me. FreshBooks can even send late payment reminders to your clients automatically. Basically, they're just trying to help you keep track of your money, which is pretty cool. Simple as that. Just like in golf, stats back it up. With FreshBooks, users get paid on average five days faster. But don't just take my word for it. Try it out yourself. Right now, FreshBooks is offering my listeners 30 days of unrestricted use, totally free. You don't even need a credit card to sign up. Just go to freshbooks.com sports and enter sports in the how you heard about us section. That's freshbooks.com sports, entering sports in the how you heard about us section. And with that, let's go back to my conversation with Sammy Schmitz. Every madam is going to be going to the to Augusta the way you did it, got everyone's attention. Was it kind of crazy? Mm-hmm. Was, there, was there a bit of a media storm? Guys, people trying to get in touch with you and you know, people trying to get you on podcasts like this one? Oh, yeah, tons. There was a, there was a, lot, of, a lot of interviews, a lot of coverage, um, a lot of people reaching out. It, it's definitely something, it was something new for me, uh, something I hadn't really experienced before. Um, it takes up a lot of your time, but it's a good story. People want to hear about it, and I tried to... 
I tried to reach out and, and accommodate everybody that I could, really. Yeah. No, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, you were able to just start a GoFundMe campaign uh, in which uh, you guys were able to raise $25,000 plus to help you and your family just be able to afford this. Because one thing that people don't realize, I think, is that the guys on tour, you know, they may make a lot of money, but it also costs a lot of money to enter all these tournaments and to do all the various things that is required of a PGA Tour player to, to create his work. And in order to be a mid-am who <laughs> this is not your day job playing golf, you know, in order to make this happen, it costs a lot of money. Uh, and, you know, all these funds, I, you know, as it would later come out, are actually going to be handled by the Minnesota Golf Association. Uh, but I got to ask, what is what is all gone into just in terms of prepping uh, financially for Augusta National? Has that been a game-changing kind of thing for you and your wife and your family? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm travel- I've been traveling every other weekend, and right now I'm traveling every weekend. So there's a lot of expenses that that occur with that, especially living in the north and traveling to the south. The airlines completely jack up their prices. Um, but hotels and golf and caddies, and there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I was very fortunate and very surprised that so many people jumped on board of uh, that GoFundMe account so quickly. It, w- it was a shock to me. I didn't. Uh, I knew it was a cool story, but I didn't think it was. I, I just I looked at so many other golfers, and I didn't. I didn't think we would, you know, generate that kind of that kind of help. Um, so very humbled. Very very humbling experience overall. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of those people will end up following you and your success and you know it's, it's kind of a cool way in which they can invest within uh i don't know that's a really cool story like you said now one thing i don't want to come out of this podcast is anyone that is going to confuse a mid amateur champion with uh with a mid handicap because there's there's a stark difference between being a mid am uh who's actually playing in competitive golf tournaments this year for example anyone who wants to qualify for the mid am championship it's going to be held in Pennsylvania, I believe. You know, you have to have a 3.4 handicap or better. You know, that that those are good players. Um, you, you yourself are four-time uh, Division Three All-American. So, you know, it's not just that, uh, you know, you're you're a typical player who got really lucky in a tournament. You're a great player. I'm, I'm interested to see wh- what you believe um, in Augusta National, though, because compared to whatever your home course would be back home, this is going to be a beast of course. What do you, what do you kind of what do you envision right now with in in handling Augusta National? I've talked to several people that have played in the tournament. Um, I actually just met with a guy, John Harris, who won the U.S. Amateur, uh, who is a member down there, and it's it's hard to you know it's hard to understand what you're going to be up against because the greens are extremely undulated. They're super fast. There's a lot of pressure. Um, so I've, I've definitely had some help to reach out to some people. I played the course, so I, I kind of know what it, what it, what it's like, but not, not really. I don't, I've never played it in a tournament form quite yet, but it's tough. It's fun. Um, I'm going to have a lot of fun with it and I'm, I'm just going to do my best and, and see what happens. Uh, you know, every year the Mid-Am, U.S. Mid-Am champ has the opportunity to be the first one ever to make the cut. 
every single year because nobody's ever made the cut. And everybody I've talked to has said how hard they worked to try to be that first one to make the cut. And I'm really no different than them. I'm trying hard to make the cut. I'm talking, you know, using my resources to learn more about the course, you know, where learn where I should try to place my ball with certain hole locations and, you know, just understanding the strategy of playing the golf course. And I'm, I'm really trying to worry about my game and the course, um, more so than just, just the tournament. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I, looking forward to it. I'm curious. How many times have you played? Have you got around the, the track so far? I've only played it once. Um, now it's starting to dry out, speed up. The weather's starting to get a little bit better. I'll play it, you know, eight, nine, ten more times before the tournament. Okay, so you have trips planned down to get down there and, and do some more scouting? I do. Okay. Yep. What uh, Do you mind sharing what, what you shot on your first try at Augusta? I did not score the golf ball. Oh, okay. I just hit a lot of shots. I hit a lot of putts. I really looked around, took took it all in, enjoyed the scenery, and I wanted my first experience on the golf course just to be super special. Yeah. I didn't worry about my golf game at all. Yeah. I just you really love the the moment. Cuz I mean, the moment you're right, that's something that not a lot of people get, a lot of amateur golfers dream about. Uh you're almost mm-hmm. you're almost fulfilling that dream. You know, they can almost take it uh, by watching you kind of uh, within your shoes. I guess mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering what is something about Augusta National in your one experience there that surprised you? Is there something that you didn't think or that you were surprised about that you didn't quite think was, was one way or something that stood out even more than what we already kind of know Augusta to be? Yeah. TV just doesn't do it justice. I mean, the whole course is built on a huge hill, the side of a hill. And you just don't get that picture by watching it on TV. Um, you don't get the undulation of the greens and just how scary some shots can be on the course. And I mean, I, I knew I knew it was that, but it still it still surprised me, even when I got on the on the course. Now, for a mid amateur to prepare for Augusta, like you said, you're gonna get you're gonna get a solid ten rounds in before you actually tee it up uh, in competition what are you doing down and not to share too much, but what are you doing to prep for this? Uh, you're a great golfer, but you know, it's a next, it's another level of golf. Have, have you worked on any specific thing? Is it just sharpening every facet of your game? Is it playing courses? Oh yeah. It's tough. I mean, I'm just trying to play golf. <laughs> it's tough. I, I, I work full time. I have children, two kids under th- the age of three. Um, so it is tough to give it the amount of time that I want to, but I'm I'm fortunate enough to be able to travel south. And when I do, I, I, I play all day on the weekends when, when I can. And it's just trying to hold the golf club, remember the feel, and play as much golf as, as I can. Yeah, I'm working on a few things, but uh, every, every golfer is always working on something, you know. <laughs> Before we continue, uh, one quick note about another podcast here at the Sports Illustrated Podcast Network. I'd like to welcome SI.com's Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver, two guys with a real passion and knowledge of the NBA, that's hoops, to the Sports Illustrated Podcast Network. They'll be joining Lee Jenkins, one of the best writers that Sports Illustrated employs, as part of the Open Floor Podcast Squad to talk all things hoops like the craziness of Steph Curry, the guys unreal. Once again, that's Open Floor, SI's NBA podcast. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher, 
or si.com slash podcasts. You've already had your Augusta moment. You've played the course. You've yeah. played a number of times. What are you most looking forward to about that week? I think I'm most looking forward to the, the par three course. The par three contest is going to be really special for me. Okay. Um, my kids are going to wear, you know, the white gear, the caddy bibs. Uh, my wife's going to be out there with me. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to having all of my friends and family down there to share the experience with. Uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to hitting balls on the range, you know, looking over and being able to see guys like Spieth and, and Nicholson and McElroy and guys like that. I mean, people, amateur golfers don't get to experience that. You know, most amateur golfers, they, they, they dream of stuff like that. And, you know, we're amateur for a reason. We didn't make the big show. We weren't good enough. And, and just to be able to stand there and and have that experience, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And then the last thing is I I'm so looking forward to just just seeing what I got. You know, seeing what I got out out there on that course. So many mid ams have have played so poorly at this tournament. Where I mean, it would just be super exciting to play well. Um, there's so much pressure and. And more so than I even know. You know, it's going to be more pressure than I, I've ever experienced. And I just, I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'm sitting here just getting excited for you. Now, a couple more questions. Uh, real quick, you talked about making the cut. Uh, I'm curious to think, now you said you didn't score your ball there in your first time, but you saw that you saw a lot of the course and it wasn't tournament condition, I guess. What do you, what do you think, uh, what do you think you could shoot there? Oh God, I I have no idea. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's you can it's scorable. You, if you play real, if if you play good golf and, and you putt your ball well and you get in the right positions, Spieth shot eighteen under par last year. I mean eighteen under par is is that's pretty low. I know that's a record, but that's pretty darn low. Um, I think if I play if I play extremely well, in my mind, I have a chance of making the cut. But it's just it's too hard to predict because um, I've never played in a professional tournament before. I've never had this level of you know course difficulty or level of competition in my entire life. Yeah. What do you uh, do? You know who's already going to caddy for you in the actual tournament? Yeah, John Hanner is going to caddy. He caddied for me in the U.S. Mid-Am. Okay. You guys have a pretty good uh, rapport. Yeah, John's a good friend of mine. He lives right up here in St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, good friend of mine. We play a lot of summer golf together and, you know, he, he, it was, we had a lot of fun at the U S mid and we're planning, planning on having a lot of fun at the masters. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty cool treat for him to be able to go with you. I'm sure. Uh, one last thing you said, uh, you're just kind of looking forward to being able to, you know, be on the range and see some of these pros up close and personal. If you could choose, you don't get to choose your tea time, but if you could choose your tea time that you could, uh, just one player on tour that you would want to play with at the Masters, who would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think right now I'd probably want to play with Spieth. I mean, his game is just so good, and he puts the ball so well, and, and he holds the record. I mean, I would love to see how it's done. You know, watch a you know, I call him a kid. I'm 35. He's probably, what, 22. To see this kid play this unbelievable golf game, I think it would be really cool. I think he's the hottest player on the planet right now. And, you know, why not play with the best? Yeah, I think that that would be really cool if they set you guys up. But we'll see later on uh, in five weeks if that's the case. 
Sammy, thanks for your time. Uh, you were great, uh, giving us a little bit of a an amateur's look at what it takes to go up and play Augusta National. Good luck down there in five weeks. Uh, I'll be down there, so maybe we'll be able to uh, catch up. But uh, until then, uh, good luck with the prep, and everyone else can can check back in in five weeks. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks again for listening to the Golf.com podcast. Quite the insight there from Mid-Am champ Sammy Schmitz on what it takes to get ready for Augusta National, especially if you're not a professional golfer. Another note from Golf.com, check out our new live show each Tuesday at noon Eastern time. It's called Golf Live, driven by Callaway. Just like on this podcast, we're going to bring exclusive interviews right to your computer each week at Golf.com. Just this week, we sat down with LPJ star Michelle Wee and talked about how she's prepping for 2016, working on kind of getting the a uh, little more retro in her swing and going back to the old days, as well as uh, battling injuries and what she went through in 2015. That's Golf Live, driven by Callaway, each and every Tuesday at noon Eastern on golf.com. Check it out. For now, that's it for this episode of the golf.com podcast. Next week, we're going to talk with golf writer Shane Ryan. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That helps us out. Uh, leaving us a review would also help us out. So you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. Hear more great shows at sportsillustrated.com slash podcasts. But like I said, leave us a review because that helps us out, letting us know what we're doing right, anything we're doing wrong, and letting us know what you think of the show. So until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock. We'll talk next week.